Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, it's Joe Suchere and Patrick Royce with Sports Talk. As I said, Pat's at his winter estate, and uh, yes. Scott Korzanowski is joining us. Uh, we're all, uh, I'm trying to tell the fellas here to calm down and the pronouncing the uh, Vikings a Super Bowl Let's finalist. Somebody on Twitter yesterday said, uh, I'm sensing at some point the Vikings fans are going to buy in. And I said, and I learned this lesson in 2009, I said, I will buy in when Case Keenum is taking the victory formation knee at the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Then I'll say they're going to win it. And even then I'd be nervous that he'd fumble it. I heard something interesting today. I I keep repeating because I'm fascinated by it. If the Vikings did get to the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. they'd be the away team, meaning they wouldn't get their locker room. Yeah. They wouldn't get their practice facility. Really? They wouldn't get their choice of jersey color and whatever else is afforded to a home team. Is Reavers in there? He is, bro. Is he, is he in on Facebook? No, no he's listening. I'm listening. What do home teams get? Well, the, they get the choice. So, in other words, let's say they play New England. Yeah. If they, if that was the case. New England would get to choose if they want to use you know Winter Park, for instance. Yep. And then if that were the case and the Vikings could say, well, we're going to use the Gophers practice facility or we're going to use the new one that's over in Egan if that's up and running at, by, by that time. That's how that works. But is there is there any uh, player changes like in hockey no. during the game that no. would be affected by the home team or away team? In no. fact, I believe, and this is getting really in the minutiae, but I believe the visiting team, Mm-hmm. Gets to call heads or tails. Yes, that is true. I believe. Yes, but that's unlike hockey where you have shifts mm-hmm. and uh, baseball where you have last at bat. Yeah, there's no real practical difference. I think and, I'm you know, like there you. Won't, there won't be gonna... a huge home field advantage either because it's not like Vikings. Well, the... it won't mean anything to the fans. No, their, their team is right there. They'll act like it's a home game. Well, my, my point is the home, the two teams that get in the Super Bowl get so many tickets, and it's mm-hmm. not very many. Mm-hmm. In other words, it, it's not like because the Vikings are in the Super Bowl. They're going to have the home crowd. Mm-hmm. They won't. Now, if they play New England, everyone will be rooting for the Vikings, right? But right. Uh, but that would be anywhere. I'm like you. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And good luck to them. I think it'd be fun. Well, let me ask you. Did you cover, which of the Vikings Super Bowls did you cover? Did you cover the first one, Super Bowl Four? In 1970, January no. of 1970? No, I covered the the next three. <laughs> not that old. I'm well, not that old. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is I remember this as a kid because when I was that age, I would that was the first Vikings team that I was, and I was, you know, obsessed that was as a, a nine-year-old would be. I Kansas was nine. City. Kansas City. Yeah. And I would read the paper every day. You know, this is before, and I remember Bud Grant really complaining about their practice facilities as compared to the Chiefs. They were like practicing on a high school field, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. that okay. he, he was complaining now about. Now you got me thinking. The and next maybe one, there wasn't Who'd they play in Houston? Well, I don't know who they, I don't know cuz I was a kid watching on TV, but they their second one was against the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Right. That's when Mike Lynn complained about birds in the locker room. Okay. The birds were flying. <laughs> okay, I did not cover that one. So I only covered two of the four. So then you covered uh I the covered next the one was Pittsburgh, New, which was at Rice Stadium in New Orleans. And the and, last one was Oakland. And the last one was in the Rose Bowl. And I believe that the Vikings' first Super Bowl was also at Rice Stadium in New Orleans. And so I think the first one and then when they played the, the Steelers, they both oh, were. Oh. And and then there was also the uh in the first Super Bowl, uh they had these skydivers come in. Mm-hmm. One was wearing a Chiefs was yeah. dressed up like a chief, landed perfectly. The one dressed up as a Viking almost killed himself. And mm-hmm. I either like it landed in the stands or missed the stadium or something. There was a lot of uh, harbingers. Uh, I covered 10, two of them being the Vikings. Okay. Other than that, I 
I don't even remember Rice Stadium. You know, I covered, so I think I covered four. And I covered the, the famous, um, when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem when uh, the, the Iraq war was going on. It'd be yeah. Bill's Giants, right? Yes, Bill, and the, the Norwood Miss. And it wasn't until within the last two or three years that I learned that Whitney Houston, that that had been piped in. Huh. That she did not actually sing it. Yeah. And I was I was legitimately kind of bummed because I just thought that was a phenomenal performance. Mm-hmm. Well, I do hope this puts the Teddy Bridgewater talk to rest. It uh, won't. It, it won't. probably won't. But it's geez, week this, by this week. Keenum kid is playing pretty good. He's playing great. Yeah, he's he's. You know what he's got? He, he's fearless. Mm-hmm. He plays with a fearlessness that scares Zimmer. Okay, I mean he he's but he's fearless and he's. And he's Why having would it the scare t- Zimmer because he's going to get hurt. No, because he throws crazy passes. Oh, oh. He he will he will take risks yeah. that Zimmer doesn't really appreciate, uh, as we know we saw at the end of the of the Washington game. Uh, so that so that Zimmer talks a lot of. In fact, Judd asked Zimmer a question. Uh, uh, Case had that one really crazy pass where he ducked under the sack and he's being killed and he just kind of floated it mm-hmm. out there and Phelan caught it and it was great and. Judd asked him, he says, did, did, what do you think when you see a pass like that? Do you think, I hope it's going to work? Mm-hmm. And Zimmer says, I never think, yeah, I hope it's going to work. And Judd goes, well, what were you thinking? And he goes, I'm thinking that Case Keenum is rather excitable and he's got a horseshoe around his neck. Uh-huh. Good quote, <laughs> right? But what does that tell you? That tells you that he doesn't didn't like that pass. Well, Reavers thinks that, what do you think that Zimmer's trying to... Uh... This is his motivational tactic for his backup quarterback, and it started last week with entertaining the idea that he might make a change because of the two interceptions, because there's one thing that Mike Zimmer hates as a head coach, and that's when the offense turns the ball over. That's called creative tension. There we so, go. So what you're suggesting is that Zimmer's applying creative tension to Keenum. And I remember Maybe. his favorite thing is creating competition at nearly every position, so I would think it's the same with the quarterback position. And I'm not even saying that's the wrong that's the wrong tactic. I think it's actually pretty smart. And it doesn't seem to bother Case Keenum at all. No. He, he he's a, he's almost appears I've never met him. I've heard him interviewed half dozen times. I've heard other players talk about him. He is appears to be an egoless quarterback, that's which is good. which is pretty rare. That's, that's what good. you want. That is what you want. He yeah. he loves to play. They love to play for him. In fact, there was a, an item in the paper today that said when he first uh, started the first game that he played, uh, when he came in the huddle, he said, guys, I like to run around back here, so stay awake on your routes. Mm-hmm. You know, he he got to told him, I'm going to, and he does, he runs around back there. He, he's got a little Fran in him. He's got mm-hmm. a little Brett Favre in him. You know, he's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where was I going? Oh, the turnaround is really quick. I mean, I know every time there's a Thursday night game, somebody's got a quick turnaround, but this is 11.30 a.m. Thursday. Yep. 11.30? Yeah, and it's... That's screwing up a lot of Thanksgivings. You don't have to eat at 11.30. No. No, but I'm saying the arrival times oh, and people... Crazy. Yeah, but what time do you have to start tailgating? Right. Well, eight? Well, seven? Eight them, seven or yeah, eight well, you know, the Gophers have started many a game at 11 a.m., right? Yeah. And I've, I've tailgated. You get out there at 8.30, have a bloody Mary, it's pretty good. <laughs> Ugh. It is. That's early. You're, Morning you're, drinking. You're starting that early. Was it Rice Stadium? Morning. It wasn't. It's 1970. It was Tul- right. Tulane. Tulane Stadium. And when the Vikings played Pittsburgh in 74. Maybe it was Tulane. That was Tulane. Right. Because it was Tulane. Rice was Houston. Because that's, that's Rice right. is in Houston. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, I it was think. Tulane. The Vikings must They're have They're playing played. at Tulane Stadium. Can you even imagine that yeah. now that the Super Bowls? So you remember it was a crappy stadium, wasn't well, it? Well, it was just a regular nondescript ballpark. Yeah. You know. But it was Tulane, not Rice. One other thing, Joe, yeah. and I'm sure you know this. No team, and I'm so, so obviously when it was at Tulane Stadium, uh, 
it wasn't the, the home of an NFL team. But I would say out of the 52 Super Bowls or 51 Super Bowls, probably 47 of them have been in a stadium that is the home stadium for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Okay? No home, no team has ever played in their own stadium in the Super Bowl. Never happened. No. L.A. came close because they played in the Rose Bowl. Yep. They did. But that's, uh, that's about it. Right. I think San Francisco might have played in Stanford Stadium, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't remember in in, the, in that area. But, yeah, it's uh, it's they've never, no team has ever played in its own home stadium. Give us your basketball take when we come back. All right. Okay, facts, uh, fact-based. What do we got? What is facts-based? The Saints played at Tulane through 1974. What were you insisting? I don't remember. Me? Yeah. I was saying maybe that that wasn't an NFL stadium, but it was at the time. It was at the yeah. time. Yep. Yep. Uh, Timberwolves, you're a big timber. You're a season ticket holder. Yes. Uh, should they have won that game last night? No. Really? I, I mean... It, it, you know, I'm very critical of Tibbs and how they're playing, and even though they're having this great record, you know, ten and five, and now they're ten and six, and they play tonight again at six. But th- there's, I've seen him show some progress, but but one of the things I was really critical of Tibbs is after he traded for Jimmy Butler, I didn't like some of the the roster moves he made, and and I talked about it quite a bit yesterday on my show. And to me, what's evident about it is Detroit, which is a team that has like one kind of star player, and the rest of these guys are workman like guys has now beaten the Wolves twice, killed them uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And last night when the when the chips were on the table, you know, at the end, they really just out-executed the Wolves. And and I think Detroit might be a better team than the Wolves from a talent perspective. So they beat them twice. It's kind of hard to say that, you know, and they killed them the first time Detroit did. So the Wolves just, are, I think, are good, but they're not great. And I think after uh, Tibbs had, had traded for Jimmy Butler, if he'd done some other moves, he could have he put them on the path to greatness. And now I think at best they'll be make the playoffs, probably losing the first round. I mean, I really think that's the upside for this team, hmm. and to me that's disappointing. Detroit looked like they really whipped the ball around. They really, they do. Yeah, they moved. They they have a coach, Stan Van Gundy, uh, who's been there a while. He's had some success at other places. Uh, and I actually read a story that he's really changed his offense uh, to to be more modern, and they they shoot a lot of threes and they move the ball around and. And, you know, what you've noticed about Tibbs' teams late in games, and they've been very good in late games this year. They've played like five close games and won four of them. Last night was the first one they lost. So they've succeeded at the end of games so far. But at the end of games, all Tibbs does is he either gives it to Jimmy Butler or he gives it to Wiggins and has them isolate. And Detroit was running plays, and they were executing, and it was, it was they, they were the better team last night, no question about it, even though the Wolves pretty much had the control of the game for the first 45 minutes. At Charlotte, that's a quick turnaround mm-hmm. for them, huh? They probably yeah. had to leave last night. Yeah, it's it's a brutal the NBA schedule, and you know they've extended the season by two weeks this year, so you have fewer back to backs and fewer four games in five nights type mm-hmm. situations. But uh, it is a brutal, brutal. You know, it's like hockey when you you know at least in baseball when you travel, you're there for three days. Mm-hmm. You know, never you know you're never there for three days in hockey or, or or basketball. The amount of trips and travel these guys have to do is is amazing. I I don't think it can be done because of the demands on all of the buildings in hockey, right. and basketball. But I I got to thinking. Uh, I I don't want to be accused of having a euphorian thought, but the Wild played at Washington Saturday night. Yep. Now they come home to face New Jersey tonight. New Jersey's an hour bus ride. Yep. I'm wondering if the uh, if the Al Gore crowd will get to the point where they want to have an impact on sports travel to minimize the times <laughs> planes are in the air by pointing out 
what the hell did uh, the Wild come home from Washington for on a Saturday night only to play yeah, one a game. visiting New Jersey on Monday on uh, Monday night, and then the Wild go back on the road to Buffalo on Wednesday. Yeah, and I think the Wolves have a similar situation here, where they, you know, they they were on the road, they were in Dallas, came home to play uh, Detroit, yep. go out to play Charlotte, and then I think they come turn back around and come right back home again. They're home Wednesday to Orlando, Friday yeah. to Miami, and Sunday a matinee game against Phoenix. Yeah, so they because they they played a lot more road games than home games, so now they're getting a couple home games. And after going to Buffalo Wednesday, uh, the Wild are at home Friday and Saturday to Colorado and St. No, they're at St. Louis Saturday. Yep. It's yeah. a strange schedule. And you know, both the Wolves and the Wild are are the easternmost Western Conference team, mm-hmm. and so they. In both leagues, you look at the amount of travel that the Wild and and Wolves do, and they by far, in a way, have the most travel uh, travel miles of any team in either league. And that's you know, it's not an excuse, but it's it's a fact. And it's you know, the teams, especially in hockey, where they have you play so many you play so many games against your conference and against your division. You know, those teams in the East Coast, the the, the amount of, they they travel literally like a third of the miles that that the Wild do. Mm-hmm. That's an advantage in a long season. It really is. I just wonder if something will ever come of that. Yeah. But for all I know, uh, they had to come here because New Jersey had two concerts Mm -hmm. in the building. I don't know. Yeah. The circus is in town. I think they play in the same building as the Nets. You know, they don't have their own building. So that makes it even more difficult. Or at least the Wild and Wolves, you know, kind of have their own buildings. They're not sharing it with an NHL team or an NBA team. What night did the Wolves beat the Mavericks? That was Friday? uh, Friday night. The next day, I think there was a doubleheader in that building. Yeah, I saw Mavericks. That, right? uh, I think the uh, it went the, Mavericks. No, it was Dallas Stars in the afternoon. Mavericks right. at night. It went Mavericks Friday night. Yep. Saturday afternoon they had to switch it over to hockey. Yep. And then Saturday night back to the Mavericks. So obviously those basketball that basketball floor sits on the ice. Yes. You know, years ago I covered. I, I was covering a. I was when I was working in Florida. I was covering a, a Heat. The Heat were playing the Bulls in a playoff series. And so I was talking to the guy, and I said, well, they were, that was an afternoon game. And so I said, well, can I stay around and watch the Blackhawks game that night? Because I'm going to be working anywhere from the press box. And so I watched them do the changeover. Yeah. It was kind of fascinating, but that's what it is. It's just because you know, the basketball game was first, and they just took the floor apart, and it was on top of some sort of a cover, and they took that up, and then they put the boards up and the glass up, and it took them like two hours. Really? Yeah. Because I've always wondered if the if the ice affects the, uh, the bounce of the basketball, and apparently it doesn't. Well, there's been situations— uh, in fact, the the I, and it was funny. It happened at Target Center, I think, last year. Yeah, I think they, it was. They put ice under there because they were hosting. You know, they don't have, but they were hosting the WCHA Final Five or something in there, uh, and they left the doors open because mm-hmm. it was kind of a humid April day, mm-hmm. and the 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 ice started to Steam. condense, oh, yeah. and the and the floor was so wet that they couldn't play the game, and the game had to be postponed. Really? Yeah, you can't play a game when you've got. Athletes making thirty million dollars a year running around on a floor, they no. could slip and fall right, and tear it. No. Yeah, that, that, that's not uh, it's not something you can do. Uh, let's switch to golf for a minute. All right, are the tournaments being played now uh, count for next for twenty eighteen FedEx Cup? Yes, really. They've, I think it's I think it's called the wraparound season. I think yeah. this is at least the third year of that. Hmm. And when does Tiger make his debut? Isn't that coming up? Yeah, at his tournament that in he California? has in California. Yes, before the first of the year. If yes, I'm it's usually mistaken. December. Yep. 
And, you know, I, I, I didn't read it, but Brandel Chambly, who is at least an interesting guy on Golf Channel, I think. I think so. And not afraid to be controversial. Sometimes yeah. I wonder if he doesn't go out of his way to be controversial, but I'm not sure that he does. And, yeah. you know, he's made, he really like studies, he's studied all the great golf swings and yeah. he's written a book on it. And he's a, he's a real school or a real te- a real scholar when it comes to golf swings and what works and what doesn't. And I just saw him, t- somebody tweeted a story that, that Brandel Shamley said that said Tiger will never be great again, and I'm sure it has something to do with the swing. I didn't read. Well, I don't. It, but... uh, I I'd, I'd go with Brandel. Yeah, I, I would too. I don't think. Uh, I mean, there are people that now think that because it was tweeted out that uh, Woods is driving it uh, longer than Ricky Fowler, yes. that okay, he's setting himself up to win the Masters. I don't see it. No, that, that body's been too abused, too many surgeries. The swing is too violent, too much torque. He's he's an old man. He's an old man. And, you know, you see, and, it, you know, how ironic is it that Phil, you know, hasn't won a tournament since 13, but he's been in the running. Uh, he was, you know, he, he was, he, he made the Ryder Cup team, I think, without, I don't think he maybe was a captain's choice. I think he was a captain's choice for the President's Cup. I think he earned the Ryder Cup on merit. But th- that Phil is still a top 30 player, yeah. top 35 player in the world. Yep. And he has rheumatoid arthritis <laughs> and was never considered a workout king, right? Right. Yet his, he's held up very well in his late 40s. Where's Roy McElroy? Is he still alive? He's still alive. He's playing in Europe? I don't know what he's doing. I haven't heard his name in ages. Well, you know, a lot of guys, you know, once you get through the uh, tour championship take, you know, you know, the wraparound season was to try to entice some guys to play more golf in the fall, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, still a lot of the, the best players don't play again until January, but... Uh, uh, yeah, but you know he didn't have a good year last year at all. He, no, no, and, and you know, he's never been. Even when he was at the height of his powers, he was he never had the short game like Tiger did. That was always kind of his bug. You know, Tiger. You know what people forget about Tiger is what an incredible short game he had. Yeah. You know, one of the best chippers and putters in the history of the game. Yeah. So uh, sports talk will return shortly with John Height. I'm not trying to walk this. No, but we haven't had it on for a while. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. No. Here's John Height. 46 degrees. Oh, here's John Height. Here's John Height. <laughs> Boy, you guys are crazy. All three of us tried, none of us did it. That's pathetic. You guys should all pull a shift at KS95. That'd be great. It's a turkey uh, ramp. Been there, done that. Got it. Uh, Vikings yesterday beat the Rams 24-7. Vikings, of course, now 8-2 and on the season, leading the NFC North by two games over the Lions, and they will be in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day Thursday to play the 6-4. and Lions. Atlanta at Seattle tonight. That's not a. That's an open stadium, isn't it? Yes. Well, so there's a chance for weather. That's how I base whether I'll watch or not. We got to <laughs> yeah. have rain in Seattle. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, last year the Vikings played Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, right? In that same yep. time slot. Yep. Yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of Atlanta, I mentioned this during GL, and John and I were just talking about this during the commercial break. If you haven't seen it yet. Uh, go to the GL page, 1500ESPN.com. Corzo, they imploded the Georgia Dome today. I saw that. And the Weather Channel had a camera set up to capture the moment. And as it's imploding, the MARTA, the, the public transportation bus, pulled right in front of the camera. And they didn't get a single second of the footage. The time, timing couldn't Isn't have been that better. that just how it always goes yeah, with buses? Is. Oh, yeah. my God. It's very funny. Wild in action tonight. They'll play New Jersey at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, by the way, Coach Bruce Boudreau this morning said Charlie Coyle will play at some point this week. He wasn't specific with what night, but he said he will play. Coyle's been out since he suffered a right fibula fracture October 12th. The underwent surgery the next day was expected to miss six to eight weeks. This Thursday would mark six weeks since he was injured. The Pistons beat the Timberwolves 100-97 last night. They are right back at it tonight. The Wolves, that is, they're on the road to play Charlotte. 
News notes from today. A seven-year-old boy who lost his foot is at Regions Hospital this, uh, today. Police said the incident occurred about 10-15 last night near Plato Boulevard and Starkey Street in St. Paul. Authorities said the foot was severed while the boy was trying to jump on a moving train. Oh, Are we How at the point yet where we can sew that back on? Is that is that a common surgery? Hmm. Apparently not. Probably not. How yeah. old is the lad? Seven. Seven. What the hell? The only thing he's got going for him is he's so young that, you know, everything would, you're not going to get your foot back, but repair easier. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, police say the boy is expected to be okay. They said the boy and two other children were trying to jump on the train when the boy's foot became I, I, 10, 15 at night, Kenny. I'm going to have to ask the uh, obligatory Reavers question. Where the hell were his parents? Thank you. Yeah. They were at a sleepover is what I read and snuck out of the house. Oh. Okay, well, where were those parents? I have no idea. Although I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I had these two relatives that lived in northeast Minneapolis on either side, and and they're right next to a train track. And we would always go over there on Easter Day, and the whole day, all the kids, and I was like seven, eight years old, we all hung out by the tracks. That's what we did. Now, I, I wouldn't jump on a moving train, but we would... The parents were inside, and we were outside in this huge, like, park. Were your these parents all passed out? No. <laughs> there, you... there was some drinking going on, but never really that extensive. Is it, that we, when you... I think uh, they were just glad to be away from the screaming kids. You learned to smoke weed then, right? That was <laughs> when <laughs> that was? <laughs> no, actually, it was later, but but no. But, but we were not behaving ourselves out there, that's for sure. But you made a good point, because when all the kids in my family, nieces, nephews, etc., were young, we couldn't wait till the afternoon... Go to the park. Yes. Get out of the house. You're making us crazy. We need to drink. Yes, exactly right. (laughs) Kellyanne Conway suggesting today that the White House remains open to Roy Moore's embattled Senate candidacy. She told Fox and Friends that, quote, we want the votes in the Senate to get this tax bill through. Last week, Conway said that no Senate seat is worth more than a child in the wake of those series of allegations against Moore. Conway, interviewed by Fox News this morning, was talking about uh, tax reform when she began hammering Doug Jones, the Democrat, in the Alabama Senate race. Doug Jones and Alabama folks, don't be fooled. He'll be a vote against tax cuts. The Fox and Friends host seemed surprised by Conway's remarks. Host Brian Kilmeade cut in and said, so vote for Ray Moore. And she said, I'm telling you, we want the votes in the Senate to get this tax bill through. And the media, if the media were really concerned about the allegations and if that's what this is about and the Democrats, well, then Al Franken would be on the ash heap of bygone half-funny comedians. White House says the true cost of the opioid drug epidemic in 2015 was $504 billion, with a B. In an analysis released today, the Council of Economic Advisors said the figure is more than six times larger than the most recent estimate. Council said a 2016 private study estimated that prescription opioid overdoses, abuse, and dependence in the U.S. cost $78.5 billion, most of that attributed to health care and criminal justice spending along with lost productivity. A couple of music world deaths over the weekend. Malcolm Young, founding member of ACDC, died at the age of 64. He was, of course, the uh, rhythm guitarist to Brother Angus's lead guitar. He'd been suffering from dementia, hadn't taken part in the band's activities for a couple of years. He had to have the funnest job in the band, right? Playing yeah. rhythm. Played rhythm, and he, he wrote a lot of the stuff, too. Is Angus normal? I mean, if you talk to him, is, would it be like talking to an adult? No, he's going to stand there and shake his he's head. He's going to stand there in his schoolboy uniform? Stop his feet, stop yeah. His feet yeah, yeah, and scream at no, you. No, he's, he's normal. Normal, Joe. Yeah, he's, he's normal. 
Is there any other band that makes people just wish they could play a guitar so they could just <laughs> no, do right. one song on stage with ACDC? And, and who was the singer that, that passed away many, many years ago? Bon Scott. Bon Scott was yeah. replaced by Brian Anderson. Uh, Brian Johnson. Brian, Brian Johnson, Johnson, that's yeah. right. So yeah. I did see them in concert about seven, eight years ago at the X, and it was tremendous. I'm a huge ACDC fan. Yeah. But the thing that was cool about it was... So there were people that my age, like in their fifties, yeah. right? Because we grew up with them, yeah. and then and then the people in their fifties had their teenage kids there, and I saw a couple ten year olds with their parents there, and, yeah. and everyone was loving it. It, yeah. it really kind yeah. of and really my sons, my sons like twenty six, he loves ACDC. Yeah. They really mm -hmm. kind of they 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 were liked by everybody. It's didn't the, they didn't they go through a period of congressional uh, inquisition as to the meaning of their name? Does that ring a bell? Mm. Uh, because the name turns out they got it from their sister Betty's sewing machine. Yeah. <laughs> that was the name on the back of their sister Betty's sewing machine, hmm. ACDC. Yeah. I, I haven't yeah. heard that story. I haven't either. Don't know well, any controversy about the name. But they dumb it down with no apologies, and they're exactly. just basic rock, and they're just awesome. They come to concert. They don't sit there and chit-chat with you. They right. just start playing tunes, man. And every and time they... I hear one of those songs, I go, geez, I wish I could play rhythm guitar just for <laughs> yeah. one song. Just one song. Yeah, and it's impossible to not like Angus's soloing. It's impossible oh, yeah. not yeah. to like it. Yeah. Here's some uh, Angus being interviewed. For me, music is it's probably my world. It's what I, I know. It was an English fellow. Scottish. I never yeah. take things for granted. I like to go and do my piece and hope they like it. For us, every show is a new kind of challenge. You know? <laughs> when everything's happening and it's all cooking and everything gels, it just seems like it's one thing and it all moves together. Um, Only Michael Jackson's Thriller sold more albums than Back in Black. Yeah. Well, you know, I, wow. I, did, I saw one of those behind the, the scenes when the uh, the singer died, and the, the mother's singer said to the, the band was going to quit, and yeah. she told the rest of the band, no. <laughs> you The one, the, the mother of the guy who had died, she said, Making you... Making too much money. No, she said, you get... Yeah, and I read a couple of years ago, you know, that they... they If you could look, go on Google and look about highest grossing bands on tour one year they were like 80 million dollars they're like still in the top five you this know, was several years ago but speaking of this scott has there ever been or and i should ask john has there ever been a band where the replacement singer is loved just yes, as much I, you're right as the original because they accepted brian johnson right away yeah, immediately yeah oh, boy i can't think of one off the top of my head. sammy hager Oh, boy, Oof. that was awful. And now Brian awful. Johnson's had to quit, so I don't know if they're going to get another singer. Right, and yeah. Axel, I think, was filling in for him he on a did, few yeah. shows. Why yeah. did Brian Johnson have to quit? I think he had voice problems. Oh. Yeah, yeah I, th I think also he's, I believe I read that part of the voice problem thing is he's going deaf and he can't hear pitch anymore. Hmm. So, Suits, you know, the Top Gear guys, they're in love with Brian Johnson. They've mm -hmm. had him on a They've few times. They've had him on for his driving. Yeah. And, you know, he's a guy who's he's a member at a very swanky club in Florida and loves to play golf. Really? <laughs> he's hanging no. at the club, man. You know. That's the thing when you watch ACDC now, you get the sense when they're doing it this long and this well that they've all kind of stopped doing the drugs and the drinking. He, he probably has a glass of wine with his wife. You know, that's probably where, the way he lives. Right, there. but you expect to see him in a back alley, uh, you know, <laughs> shooting <laughs> smack, right, but not no, in the country no, club. he's in the country <laughs> club, man. Yep. Also dying this weekend, country legend Mel Tillis, dead at the age of 85. Tillis had uh, numerous top 10 hits, but uh, what a lot of people don't know, he wrote many enduring songs that other artists covered. And had hits with. And he's the guy that would that. stutter unless he was singing, correct? He is the guy that would stutter. Wow. Yes. And right. isn't he one of those guys on the list that you go, geez, I would have thought he died a long time ago. Right. <laughs> I hadn't thought that, but. Like Abe Vigoda. You know, Abe Vigoda, you always thought he was dead until <laughs> he finally died. John, you a big fan of Mel? 
I like uh, some of the songs he wrote. I think Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town is a brilliant song. He, he wrote, wrote that? He wrote that. That is a good song. Oh. He wrote oh. Honey by Ricky Skaggs, which is also a wonderful song. Uh, he wrote tons of great stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Let's have the, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's have the let's Dave Dahl joint. Back. What? Dave Dahl? Wait, what? Nope. It's the highway. I thought it was four minutes, not what, four what? seconds. Uh, what was that? That's all it was. I'm, I was looking for ACDC. It was oh, just highway seconds. to hell. If you could see the ass hattery that goes on in wow. this room during commercial breaks, you wouldn't be shocked that we're coming back with no bumper music. Four seconds. You want it again? No. Here's John Hyde. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Uh, one of <laughs> sort of sports note, former <laughs> wow. NHL star. That's such a letdown. It oh, really is. You're the one that called for ACDC how, at the last how, second. How, I wanted to play Mel Tillis. You didn't have that ready either. How can you put up with this, Joe? You demand perfection no. except from this clown. No, not not really. Earlier, uh, I thought Kenny was going to hit Rook before we did the last segment. Oh, we found Mel, apparently. Are you painted <laughs> up your lips and roll and curled your tinted hair? <laughs> One other uh, sport of, sort of sports note. Former NHL star Jeremy Roenick showed off his versatility by using his golf clubs to capture a rattlesnake in his garage in Arizona. Ooh. Remember, he used to play for the uh, Arizona team. He posted a video to Twitter showing how he handled the rattlesnake. He tweeted, relaxing on Sunday morning, here's what happens when you live in Arizona. He used golf clubs to pin the snake to the ground before grabbing it just under the head. Jeez. He did not kill it, though. He said he uh, took it uh, and took kept it Took it to the neighbors and put it in their yard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was in his garage? In his garage. There was a photo of it uh, oh. just lying on the concrete. Wouldn't you call garage. pest control? That's what I would do. I would call my 357. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tough story uh, here from Mexico. Bullfighter. Yep. Forced to leave the ring in pain with his hands over his bleeding scrotum oh. after he was gored. Yeah, Those I'm two always words. rooting for the bull. Those two words don't go together, John. Bleeding and, yeah. Yeah. Footage of the incident at a festival in Cortado, Mexico, shows Luis David Adami getting tossed into the air like a rag doll before he limps away. A throng of workers carry him out the ring as a stream of blood flows down his pants. Adame, holding a red cape in one hand, was caught off guard when the bull quickly changed direction and stuck him. A doctor who looked at Adami's injury after the event said that he suffered a large goring in that area and it tore the skin for several inches. Oh. Adame posted on his Twitter account Sunday, see you soon. He's currently in stable condition, according to several. How do you, even, how do you put a Band-Aid on that area? Was the bull uh, also after kind of leaning on the fence with its uh, leg crosses, kind of going, you want some more of this? Huh? You come back out. Let's Such, how come you cheer for the bull? Tell me why. Well, the, they're out there trying to kill him. The hell with it. Let the bull, the bull gets to fight back. This is the only thing I don't understand about bullfighting. Well, well, why do you have to kill him? Well, don't they? Yeah. Oh, they, yeah they throw, they, they, they fill him full of arrows and daggers right, and right. sticks and everything. I say uh, they should cripple the bullfighter and see how he likes yeah. it. That'd be a lot more fun. You know what the moral of that story is? Don't mess with that bull. Don't mess with the bull when it's drinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Guinness, I know we don't do uh, Guinness Book of World Records normally, but this one is strange enough. I thought we should, we should, we should listen to this story. In India, man mm -hmm. headed to the Guinness Book after stuffing, uh, stuffing, excuse me, four hundred and fifty-nine drinking straws into his mouth at once. That's pretty good, isn't it, John? Four hundred and fifty-nine. I've only hit three hundred. 
<laughs> they're all the, the tiny ones, though, right? They're the cocktail straws. Uh, no, they were normal. Like, oh, the really? one you'd get at, like say, a, a fast food place. Yeah, those oh, kind. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that makes a book, huh? Yeah, that's the Guinness. Guinness confirmed that... you got to kind of wonder how he practiced. Oh. <laughs> Guinness confirmed that 23-year-old Monaj Kumar... Only a rookie, huh? Mm-hmm. Does, he, uh, does he have a boyfriend? Manaj, 23 years old. 23, yeah. Manaj Kumar Maharana. If he doesn't, send him my number. Avodisha <laughs> broke the world record for most straws stuffed in his mouth without using hands by cramming 459 straws into his mouth. Maharana. You know what? You're just terrible. You're, just, really you're incorrigible. Just, really you're is. incorrigible. Who? You're not talking to me, are yeah, you? Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> Maharana, who is allowed to use elastic bands to keep the straws together, but not his hands, has to have all of the straws in his mouth and keep them there for 10 seconds without falling to obtain the title. Why would you fall? Yeah. No, the <laughs> falling out of his mouth. Oh. To have any of them fall. Anybody out pulling of his on his ears? In case. <laughs> In case you're wondering. Oh, my God. Probably not. Kenny, I'm on the wall. I'm on the wall. Let's try to remember that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Which wall? In the bathroom? Which which wall are you talking about? Well, at this point, maybe. The previous record holder, if you're wondering, was uh, the British. uh, I really am not. (laughs) Probably not. British uh, fella Simon Elmore, who stuffed 400 straws into his mouth. What the hell? In Germany. Uh, man who led police on a nearly 20-mile chase through Houston was taken into custody only after he got out of his car and started dancing. <laughs> <laughs> like a celebration. Did he do the moonwalk? Like, like, like a celebration end zone dance? <laughs> the unidentified suspect came to a stop before hitting spike strips that police had laid across Interstate 45 in Houston. He did comply with police orders to step out of his car, but rather than lay on the ground, as he was told, uh, he put his arms above his head and on his head like they order you to and started dancing. <laughs> police watched him for a short while. And then shot him, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Watched him for... We, we decided to put him down. <laughs> it was best for all. They uh, watched him for a short while. Then they became concerned he might try to flee into traffic as he was dancing. So they sicked one of the police dogs on him. Oh, the, the police dog took him down. Chomp. <laughs> Lieutenant Larry Krausen says investigators uh, are still trying to figure out they did blood tests to see if the man was under the influence of anything. He has been charged with evading arrest uh, because of the police chase. A Phoenix man was close to turning a locomotive into his own runaway train. He was trying to steal it. Police say 20-year-old Julio Rodriguez was arrested earlier this month after trying to steal a train from a rail yard just south of downtown Phoenix. How do you... Where's he going? Yeah. to get that <laughs> under the 48-hour rule. <laughs> <laughs> union police... Uh, union. <laughs> it took a minute to hit yeah, me, but I, when it hit, yeah. it was good. Yeah. Union that thing's been there forever. <laughs> You're not going to be able to hide that one yeah. in the barn. <laughs> When'd you get this train? I've had this train forever. What are you talking about? <laughs> union Pacific Railroad workers say they were alarmed when they heard the train horn on November 8th and went to investigate. Didn't know I could drive a train. <laughs> <laughs> they discovered Rodriguez, who was actually released from jail earlier that day, sitting in the engineer's seat. Employees said they removed him and found he had moved levers and pushed buttons. They say he was one pedal away from actually being able to move the train. 
According to court documents, he admitted he wanted to steal the train. He faces charges of theft of means of transportation. How cool would it be to drive a train? Seriously. Cool. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be fun, fun to spool Get that the thing Casey up. Jones hat. The, the whole deal. deal. Yeah. Lay on the horn. It'd yeah. be like five minutes of horn for way, me. Way to go, stuff. John. Now uh, the producer's been uh, sidetracked with DancingDWI.com. <laughs> no, no, it's Reno 911. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls him over. And instead of walking the line, she has him do some dance things. It's about 10 seconds. But she traps you know, him. What would be good is if you hit kicked and then you kind of did that and then a barrel turn and then ha! You know? That was, that was good. That would be. That was you know, really good. This. You a dancer? No. No, no, no. Not a, I'm, I'm just drunk. <laughs> 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 that's just drugs. Are those real or staged? No, that's, no, that's staged. A, Reno 911. It's a show. Oh, that's Reno 911. Yes. I thought that was a reality show. Yeah. No, it's no, a, that's, it's that's a whatever. <laughs> He's on the wall. He's yeah. on the wall. I you can't me? find this. God, let <laughs> Corzo's filling in for Patrick, and uh, we'll take you on the ride home tonight. And what do you have in store we for us? We got uh, Ben Gessling with his normal uh, Monday appearance at 5.15 to talk Vikings and all NFL. And I need to have my uh, Timberwolves therapist, Britt Robson, who now writes for The Athletic, used to write for MinPost on the Wolves, to uh, talk me off the ledge for a team that is not doing as well as I think. And we have other stuff as well. The... Uh Timberwolves season, though, is uh, better than anyone anticipated at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought they were going to be like this good. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Vegas, I think, put them at like 50 wins. Do you like their chances down in Charlotte after that quick turnaround? Yeah, you know, they, this, if this team plays well, they should beat Charlotte. But in the NBA, anything can happen, especially on a, the, you know, the back end of a, of a back-to-back. Dallas doesn't have much of a club, Ooh, do they? They're awful. Two wins? Yeah, they're awful. What's the deal? They're, they're finally, the, finally, the Mark Cuban uh, bubble has burst there. I'm afraid it has. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's 45.